Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Joe, we're live. Happy 4th of July to everybody south of this Canadian border. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Holy Smokes Podcast. I am your host, Joe Ferraro, joined as always by the legend himself, wearing that headband, Sean Ross Sapp. Give him a beautiful follow on social media, ladies and gentlemen, at Sean Ross Sapp. Yours truly, at Showdown Joe, and of course, all of us at, at Fightful MMA, at Fightful. Uh, Sean's obviously a busy guy. Uh, just, just to get ready like this. I mean, was it stressful to put that headband on or are you just like, you know what? This is my thing. This is what I'm doing. It's 4th of July. Was it stressful? <laughs> Red, friend, white, blue. My friend, I have colors for all occasions. I got to start wearing these. As I told you, I got to wear them when I sleep now because my my hair's never been this long. I'm not used to it. I'm not conditioned for this. But, hey, I am conditioned for the 4th of July. Happy Canada Day this weekend, guy. Yes, sir. Happy belated Canada Day. It was a good time. Uh, yes, this guy here threw out the diet, nutrition. I was It was portion controlled, but I wouldn't say I, I ate uh, healthy, per se. There were sweets involved, and uh, it's been a good day. Uh, well, today's Tuesday, so I got one weight session in, one cardio session in, so uh, I'll be back to normal by tomorrow morning, hopefully. So, But yes, thank you very much. We had a great time uh, on Canada Day, despite the horrendous weather this climate change is absolutely destroying many of us uh here uh in not destroying i mean i'm not in arizona where it's like what 110 degrees 120 degrees but uh we're getting rain oh we're getting i mean we've had three days of sunshine in total this summer so it's been rain 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 you'd think we're on the west coast so what's it like down there for you trash weather gloomy or yeah gloomy muggy overcast but i gotta work a, a smackdown live show tonight where john cena's coming back so uh, go ahead. Be be muggy. Be gloomy. I don't care. 
No, I'm not muggy. I'm not gloomy. I mean, the, the sun is actually out. Uh, I, I actually asked Sean, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and thanks to everyone right now who is on the live chat. Uh, I did ask Sean. Uh, I don't know if because if, the way my desk is set up in my office, the windows to my right. So I'm obviously worried about sometimes the this side of my face being way too bright. And Sean's like, no, we can cool it. We got some sun, Sean. I'm enjoying the sunshine. So yeah. I'm taking it from there. We got tons to talk about. Oh, There's we so do. much to talk about. There are the, two the events. Big, the big story, Stefan Bonner moving to pro wrestling. Okay, I was unaware of such intel. Thank you for the uh, for the update. Uh, what does that mean for peeps like you that are into the pro wrestling world? It means that uh, it'll be hard for me to find out what actually happens because he's wrestling in a bowling alley in Valparaiso, Indiana, with Phil Baroni as his tag team partner. If you remember, like five years ago, when he stepped in against Anderson Silva, which I, I really legitimately thought he deserved that fight. He was coming off of like I think three or four straight wins, doing very well for himself. I thought that he deserved that fight, and when he showed up, like suspiciously tan and jacked at that. that Remember this picture, the workout, or whatever, whatever that was on the beach when he was doing this, and I was and, like, "Holy jeez, he trained hard." Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure he did, but he was. He told Dana White that he had prepared for a pro wrestling debut, which didn't happen, and he didn't think that he was going to fight again. So apparently, this is something that he had thought about doing at like 35, but he's doing it 40 now. So I just wanted to give it a, a mention. I've always liked Stefan Bonner. I've liked him inside the cage. I've I always loved his commentary. The call when the the Showtime kick, one of my favorite calls ever, when he screamed, he ran off the cage like a ninja. I thought that was one of the best calls ever, and I thought it was a shame that his broadcasting career essentially ended with that drug test failure on a fight that he didn't really plan on taking. And really, he and Anderson Silva bailed the company out. So I I don't think he gets his, his due very often, but he is in the Hall of Fame, so good for that. But yeah, Stefan Bonner making a pro wrestling debut. Wanted to kind of throw that in there. Yeah, and there's, uh, I mean, obviously a veteran of the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I guess you could say he was the third Ultimate Fighter ever crowned because Diego Sanchez was number one, Forrest Griffin number two, and then by default, I guess, in that fight, that changed uh, many, you know, a tribute changing the world of mixed martial arts uh, versus Forrest Griffin. Stefan Bonner becomes the third, quote-unquote, Ultimate Fighter. I guess, what the, actually, no, not the Ultimate Fighter. He got a contract from it. So he helped, but he did help change the game with that epic performance. Um I have my uh, drudgings, I guess, with uh, <laughs> Stefan Bonner. What, but, why uh, is that? Why is that? Ah, he's an interesting guy. He's, I'll just say he's an interesting guy. He was uh, a little out there. When I say people operate in a different frequency, you guys hear me saying, girls hear me saying that a lot, people operate in a different frequency. He is one that operates on yes. sometimes the same, sometimes, whoa, where did this come from? Okay, I'm going to walk away from this one. I'm not interested <laughs> in this one. So, yeah. Uh, but overall, you know, he was a you know a, a tough guy, blue collar fighter back in the day. Uh, had a nice little story leading up uh, to his career with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Then that whole situation with Tito and whatever. Now he's into pro wrestling. Uh, no matter what happened in the past, I do wish him all the best, like I do with uh, pretty much everybody uh, that I've come across in the past. No hate, just uh, all the best to everybody. Now there are two events that are going down uh, this weekend oh, yeah. in Las Vegas. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter finale, Redemption finale. Um, I, you know, I, I spent the past, and of course, uh, the pay per view on Saturday, UFC two thirteen. Um, I'm I'm guilty of it every season. Uh, I'll start watching the Ultimate Fighter, and then eventually I just kind of 
do other things on Wednesday nights. It's there on my, uh, what we call it PVR here. I think you guys call it DVR, South of the Border. It's been on there. The shows are there. And then for some reason, the UFC's broadcast partner here did not have one episode. Uh, and I don't like watching episodes unless I'm fully caught up from a previous episode. Uh, so um, UFC Fight Pass didn't put it on until this weekend. So I was able to find that episode, watch it, and then try to catch up. And then made a mistake when I started two episodes in, and I knew the results of all the fights beforehand. So I was kind of like, uh. And then prepping for the show, Sean, I clicked the site to see what's going on, uh, you know, who's on the card for the Ultimate Fighter finale, and I see Diego Lima's name there. Mm-hmm. So I know that Diego Lima has made it to the finale. Uh, he'll fight the winner of uh, James Krause and uh, Jesse Taylor, which we will know will compete uh, in two days' time, or will air in two days' time. Yeah, I James Krause I know had to have had to be opened up a while back to get like a staph infection taken care of, I believe. So that makes me wonder. Uh Jesse Taylor's looking very uh weight cut-ish right now. So either way, I think those those gotta be the two guys that the UFC were probably like, well, I hope one of these two guys makes it in because you have the two most familiar names outside of Joe Daddy Stevenson. That, that they could have, and man, did Team Dillashaw just dominate Team Garbrandt in this, this thing. But this tough, thir- or this tough redemption finale is a solid show. Like, you got Gray Maynard taking on Ishihara, and Ishihara is a guy who we know can finish fights, and Gray Maynard is one of those guys that, like, he was so close to being, like, immortalized with the, the lightweight championship, never got it. And his career never recovered. He had that fight against Fernando Bruno at last year's International Fight Week that looked like, okay, maybe he's he's back a little bit. But then that all-time terrible fight against Ryan Hall. So this is their, their way of, I think, saying, we're going to put you in there with an exciting guy. Here's your chance. The first fight of the night, Joe, is Tisha <laughs> Torres against Juliana Lima. That is a sick fight. What? That's a, hell yes. of a, that's a hell of a fight. Lima won three of four. Tisha Torres is was one of my early picks to win that season of tough. Honestly, uh, she is th- four and one in the UFC. That's a top flight strawweight fight, or a, a yeah, whatever the hell weight division they're in strawweight fight strawweight, in, yep. in that division. There's some good stuff on this show. Ed Herman versus CB Dalloway ain't one of those, but there's some good stuff on this show. Before we continue with that, you mentioned a name that uh, I was thinking about, and I, and I should have asked uh, Faraz when I did speak with him, who will join us a little bit later on the show. We have not heard a single thing about Ryan Hall since that fight versus Gray Maynard in December. Have you heard anything? No, thankfully. Like, you talk about a guy winning a fight and nobody... It feels like nobody cares and nobody knows what's happening with him. Well, I mean, deal, he doesn't fight very often. That that's kind of always been the situation with him. Like, I mean, he took like what six years between his first and second fights, and I know he went through the Ultimate Fighter and stuff. But on a professional level, he fought once last year, once the year before that, uh, twice the year before that, once in thirteen, once in twelve. He he just doesn't fight a lot. That's just his thing. I, I can't really – I don't know why. I, I'm not that familiar with him on a personal level, but uh, 
Yeah. Well, I know he trained at TriStar for an extended period of time. I should have uh, I should have asked Faraz that. I'll probably catch up with him when he comes fights back at, after fights this. Fights at pizza places more than he does in the cage. I know about that, yeah. For those that don't know, you can look it up. Uh, it's an interesting story, to say the least. Um, you mentioned the Tisha Torres-Juliana Lima fight. I love this fight. I mean, it's going to be a, a scrap and a half. I like it, and it's the first fight on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, and then we get into the to the main Artie Shahara fight, which is going to be, I think, straight up great as well. So this these are two fights that are worthy for anyone thinking, should I get UFC Fight Pass? Th- this is worth it right here. Yeah, these are two fights that belong on not belong on UFC Fight Pass, but they will raise intrigue and they will raise people's awareness. To say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching these fights. They're, they're pretty. I mean, that strawweight fight's pivotal at, at 115 pounds. Yeah, I would have had at least one of these on the Fox Sports One over Dalloway and Herman because I can't, I can't pretend that I'm excited for CB Dalloway taking on Ed Herman. Like I'm not. CB Dalloway has lost three in a row. Ed Herman, win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss. Like it's just the dude. The dude has found a way to stick around in the UFC for for eleven years now, but. I don't think that fight's going to like capture my imagination. You have Angela Hill, who came back after her her crazy USADA situation, but her great run in Invicta, and she's looking to make her impression in the UFC against Ashley Yoder. That's an interesting fight, too, because both women are looking for their first UFC wins. At, well, outside of... Uh, Angela Hill won on the, the tough finale like two and a half years ago, but... The first wins in a long time in Angela Hill's case, and her first in this run in her case, Ashley Yoder. It, 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 a lot of these women, they're getting these opportunities at five, six fights in. That's why there are tons of women. It's something that I used to kind of try to recruit female athletes for our fight team because there would be these women who would play basketball and volleyball and stuff like that, and they would go to like these – NCCAA, like Christian schools, and they would go to like Division Two, and they would go NAIA. There is not a really good opportunity for them to turn pro in that. But if you have a good athletic base, that's a really good place to start in women's MMA today. Because you have people like Ashley Yoder, who had her first fight in February 2014, and she was in the UFC before 2017. So I can realistically say to these women... If you put in the work and you have good fundamentals and you follow things, there's a real chance that in two years you could be a professional. You could be in like among the elite in that sport quicker than if you turned pro in the sport that you are in right now. Like Because there are so many of these women who got into it, well, it's starting to phase out of that. But years ago, how many times did we hear the stories, well... I took a kickboxing class or a jiu-jitsu class to stay in yeah. shape, and I fell in love with it. You'd hear that story all the time. You're seeing people like Ashley Yoder and uh, Angela Hill who didn't fight before 2014, and here they are in the UFC. That's that's a very that's really unique territory. Uh, should Yoder be in the UFC? No, I don't think so. But that's the situation we're in. Well, you made it, you've mentioned this name before, Jessica I, and should she be in the UFC? She's taking on Aspen Ladd. At the, as it stands right now, she's potentially kicking off the Fox Sports 1 card. Um, it's an interesting fight because at 135, we, we sort of have this almost dilemma below the top three or four uh, ladies, people trying to jockeying for position. Neither one of these two are really in that jockeying position state, but with a win, you're, you know, there's going to be eyeballs on you. 
Um, in terms of Jessica, I obviously had higher hopes for her when she first came into the UFC. Had a wonderful time interviewing her. Uh, and then I think she's one of those athletes that just got sometimes too big for her own good and didn't realize that, hey, man, uh, there's a lot of work here. Uh, you're going to be fighting some stiff competition. Uh, and she did. And, you know, it's, it's it, you know, her record shows that there's some challenges there. Uh, Aspen Ladd's going to give her, a, you know, a good push in this fight here. I mean, how, how do you see this one going? Jessica I is really outspoken, and sometimes understandably so. The the overturning of her Kaufman win is complete BS. But as you look at her record, one win in her last seven fights. That that's how it that's how it reads. One win, five losses, one no contest in the UFC. Lost to Alexis Davis, beat Leslie Smith, who should probably be a one twenty five er, honestly, if we're if we're being real. Yep. Lost to Tate, Pena, McMahon, Cohea. So also, these losses are to top-level bantamweights. Bantamweights, with the exception of Kohei, I don't think she's top-level anything. But <laughs> when, when the fight happened, she was portrayed as the top-level bantamweight, yeah? This is them doing her a favor, saying, okay, we're going to give you another shot, but we're going to give you a shot against this girl that we think could be something. But here's the thing. This fight should be at flyweight. It should not be at bantamweight. These two women should be competing at 125 pounds as a preview for that division. That's what should be happening. I don't know if maybe they're waiting for it tough. Maybe they're even saying, Jessica, if you lose this, we'll still let you fight on tough. Who gives a shit? Because we got to fill out that house somehow. Um, but, That's a very good point. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, what are they going to do? Say, no, you're not one of the 16 best flyweights or whatever it is. She probably is. That's always been the thing is that, she was oversized and that she had some decent technical ability, which I think has regressed a bit, but she's only 30 years old. They do not want her to go to Bellator. I know this to be a fact from people I've talked to. That's a thing. They, they, they feel like if she went to Bellator, she'd probably be their 125 champion uh, pretty quickly. So they don't want to allow that to happen. Not that I think that she would make them any exorbitant amount of money or anything, but yeah, that's 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 a situation they're in, and Aspen Ladd can get a win here, or Jessica I can get a win, and it's it's really a no lose situation for the UFC, I think. Yeah, I don't know if Jessica could become the champion at Bellator. Uh, I'd still, I mean, there's there's some talent at 125. Valerie Letourneau may have a resurgence in her career competing at 125. Remains to be seen, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the main card: George Johnson taking on Marcel Fortuna, and then our boy. Elias Theodoro taking on Brad Tavares. Uh, if that isn't a fight, uh, middleweight, you know, fans of the middleweight division aren't looking forward to. I don't know what is because that's going to be very pivotal for Elias's career. That'll be a name on his resume should he emerge victorious. Yeah, Elias has to win this fight. He plays the hokey pokey with the top fifteen because, like, it depends on who fights what week. He'll either be in or out of the top fifteen. Like Boach won, so he got put in there. Uh, I think Boach would be an, a logical next fight for Elias if he were to win. The thing is, Brad Tavares has like traditionally had really good takedown defense. He's one of those guys that ran into guys like Whitaker, Romero, Boach, but has shown yeah. that he can still compete at, at at that top 15 level. Like He beat Lorenz Larkin before Lorenz Larkin dropped down and, and went on his uh, big tear, but... He beat Magalhaes. He it was a close fight, but after Elias's last fight, I think the UFC wants to see him do something a little more definitive, a little more impressive. 
Because, I mean, let's be honest, uh, we love Elias, but that last fight was puzzling at times. Like, the way that he fought, the way that he struck. Uh, he he has he started off, and he was he was a finisher in the UFC and hasn't done that in a couple of years. I think that's what they're looking at, because I think that if he can do that, then maybe he can be someone that they promote. I don't know if he'll ever be the guy that they promote big time, but... Because they probably worry, like, what else does he have going on? Obviously, he's, he went out and got his own type of... He got his own deals, but... This is a fight that Elias has to win, and it's a fight that Brad Tavares needs. I mean, you need to win every fight, but... For Elias to be considered in that top 15 discussion, he's got to win this fight. No ifs, ands, or buts. I do like the fact that if he does get past Brad Tavares, that Tim Boach fight could be very interesting. It's a good matchup. Uh, it'd be difficult for Elias because Tim Boach hits like a truck. Uh, you know, no pun intended, defeating the big rig. Who, by the way, says he was he, he's he's saying his weight cut was or weight cut issues and not making weight was due to an illness. Yeah. Did your eyes roll when you saw that? Yes. You know, yes. it can be, as true as it can be, you cry wolf too many times, or a situation happens too many times uh, to a fighter like that. It could be a hundred percent true. People don't want to hear it. I'm with you, man. Like it's happened so many times with him. He's pulled out of fights. He's missed weight during fights or before fights, and yeah, now he jumped up a weight division and did it. I mean. We weren't cool with it when Rumble Johnson did it. Remember when he took the fight at 185 and completely blew the weight? Like, it's so funny how many different weights Anthony Johnson made. He made 170, 205, and heavyweight, but never middleweight. True, yeah. Well, the Belfort fight was at what? 185, it was supposed to be. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny. Did I ever tell you the story about my my one producer when he first saw Anthony Johnson for the very first time? This is before Anthony fought uh, Josh Koscheck in Montreal. We're at the UFC Fan Expo. No, I don't think you ever told me that. So my producer, I'm I'm a short guy. I'm five seven, and I kind of tower over my producer at the time, uh, for for over at UFC Central on Sportsnet. And we were going through the UFC calls and says, okay, uh, UFC Fan Expo. Here's your media pass. These are the rules, but. You are our broadcast partner. If you see someone that you want on the show because you want to promote something coming up, let us know and blah, blah. So we're walking around, walking around, and all of a sudden, this look of like – I'm trying to think of the, uh, how to describe the look. The sheer awe that he was just staring at Anthony Johnson, and he whispered. It was like, Joe, Joe. Yeah, what's up? Is that Anthony Rumble Johnson? I look girl say, hey, Rumble! He's like, showdown! Right? And all of a sudden, as I'm walking by to say hi to Anthony, right, all I hear behind me is, holy fuck. <laughs> he was like, Anthony looked like as big as he is now. Like, maybe bigger. Because he had a bit of water weight. Oh, and then yeah. when we're done, blah, blah, we're done all that, we walk away, he's like, how? It's not him, but how does a human being make 170 pounds Crazy. when they look like that? And I'm like, he does it. I don't know how. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, true. And I, I, again, I'm used to seeing fighters uh, at different weights all the time. Patrick Cote joked, and I, the last interview I did with Patrick Cote uh, live in person in Buffalo, we joked about how he has to have two suits. Mitch Gagnon tells me he always has two suits. Elias says he's got two suits or two different sizes of suits uh, when these guys get to fight week because there's the regular walking around suit and then there's the fight week suit, which is much smaller. So Anthony Johnson probably has uh, a wardrobe that is probably four or five different types of cuts and suits. Uh, but yeah, so a- Anthony Johnson is just is just an absolute beast. Um, how did we get to Anthony Johnson? Weight cutting. 
Weight cutting, yes, weight cutting. Well, we'll see what happens. Oh, because of Big Rig. Um, hmm. Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, Johnny Hendricks, I'm not buying that. Uh, but yeah, Elias versus Tim Boach, uh, I'd like to see it. There's some people ripping apart the fact that um, Ninja Pirate, good content, but the Canadian bias is strong on this channel. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Not from, not from your boy, it's not. It's an American and a Canadian hosting a podcast. Uh... You can go square to hell with all that, my friends. And it's the 4th of July. I'm giving you guys lots of love on the 4th of July. I wonder if Ninja Pirate was that one person that criticized me after I did commentary for Ryzen for one of the events that says, the guy sounds too Canadian. Ah, probably. Okay. Uh, Nick Rorick taking on Jared Cannonier, uh, light heavyweight. Any fight at light heavyweight, let's be honest, even the Jordan Johnson-Marcel Fortuna fight, any fight at light heavyweight is a relevant fight in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. That's actually what I was going to mention. I was going to group these two in together. These are good. I'd put the winners against each other. That's pretty simple. Uh, but especially if you're trying to build somebody a little bit, I think that's a, an okay couple of fights. It's just, man, I don't know if I, I would have put in both of these fights on the main card over something else. But, I mean, really, the main card starts with the prelim card because it, it's all on Fox Sports 1. So, like, what's the difference? I don't get it. Why Why is one the prelim card and one the main card when they're all on the same damn channel? I don't understand that. Uh, but yeah, Jordan Johnson, uh, Fortuna, Cannoneer, and Rorick. And is Steve Bossy ever going to fight again? Yeah, that's uh, that's tad disturbing. You're right. He, I mean, like, I, I know he fought twice last year. He fought once the year before. But it, it just seems like the guy pulls out of a lot of fights or just retires and gives up and, like, it's like it seems a lot. Like I know that over the past few years, he's he's pulled out and retired as many times as he actually fought, which is unfortunate because that fight against O'Connell last year in June was awesome. Right before it was actually right before Fightful started, um, he had that awesome finish. I think he ended James Tahuna's career. Yeah, even that was brutal. And if you end James Tahuna's career, man, a dude that has the balls to come out dressed up like Men in Black, come on now. But yeah, that, that's what I wonder. Cannonier was supposed to fight him, but like you said, any light heavyweight fight seems relevant to me. It's almost it's it's like heavyweight to me, but because uh, anything above two hundred pounds seems like I'll watch it because you never know what'll happen. You might get uh, you might get surprised. You might get a one minute finish like we had last week. Yeah, it almost feels like a light heavyweight. I mean, your penetration up those rankings. Or escalation, if you want to say it, can, can be very quick with a win or two at that division because the depth is just simply not there. You know, it's it's it, you'll win a couple, and next thing you know, you're in the top ten, and you could be getting some really really good fights. So we'll see what happens there. Now, my sleeper fight, uh, which I think could be the fight of the night, performance of the night, whatever you want to call it, is this lightweight scrap between uh, I we're going to say his last name incorrectly, no matter what, but Mark Dyckes versus Drakkar Close. No, oh, that's going to be one hell of a fight. <laughs> It's going to be a sick fight. I understand now why it's third from the top, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, their careers go almost in like – I don't want to say opposite because uh, Diakis, Diakis, whatever the hell is how – however you pronounce his name. He's been the distance, but lately he's been finishing a lot of guys. Close, finished a lot of guys early in his career, and lately over the past couple of years he's kind of slowed down and went the distance. This is a really, really good fight. 
a really, really good fight. And we're looking at a couple of guys who could be big, big, big down the line, especially. Close is 29. Uh, Mark is, is 24. But Mark has impressed to, to such a degree. Like, when he beat Packlin, I was I, I just thought that was just – he bulldozed him. Wasn't even 30, close. I'm gonna take this damn flag out of my head now. Thirty seconds. I yeah, mean, that was. I, I think that was he, crazy. I think he gets the victory. Uh, I am leaning towards Mark. Let me just take a look at the odds here to see what the people are saying. Um, they are saying, oh, he's a heavy favorite, minus two eighty-five. Okay, yeah. So I don't think we're going. Uh, we're not really stretching by saying he should emerge victorious. It's going to be a fantastic fight, though. Either way, I think maybe it should be the lines should be a little closer, but uh, it's going to be a, a fight. I mean, it's going to be a fantastic fight. Excuse me. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then, of course, we have <clears throat> the co-main event. And the main event, co-main event, Diego Lima, as we know, uh, he's a Titan FC champion, by the way. Or no, Jackson beat him. Let me, let me, or did Diego sneak out of victory in the end there? You know it's bad. You know, no, he lost. He lost to Jason Jackson. And then he goes to the Ultimate Fighter Redemption uh, and now makes it to the finale. Uh, he'll potentially be taking on, according to the speculation, maybe Jesse Taylor, because Jesse Taylor, you said, looks weight cutish. Does, yeah. And James Krause in as sorry, I'm leaning to the right because I have a screen. I'm, I'm silly, eh? Like I'm, I'm leaning to the right because I've got a screen that's blocking you. What am I doing? There we go. Um, well, if Krause is in the fight, I think he's going to win. If it's Lima and Taylor, I think Lima's winning. Yes. Just how I think. Although it wouldn't pass me. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, Lima's game for a fight. Lima's game for a blue collar fight. But there's times when he gets rocked where he's like, whoa, 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 what just happened? And it's that whoa, 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 just happened moment when guys go in there for the finish or guys will punish him. Uh, who was it? Eddie Gordon that beat him that one time in the finale? Let me think here. Was it Eddie Gordon? Where he just got that. I mean, it was right in front of the media section. Yeah, it was Eddie Gordon, uh, July 2014, in the finale uh, of the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. I mean, he got hit hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, got hit okay a few times, but then got hit hard, and it was like, whoa, what's going on here? And, you know, game over for that. Um, Lima, if he plays it smart, is a completely different fighter than Douglas, by the way. Uh, they're completely different athletes. Uh, if Lima plays smart, uses his range, uses whatever he needs to do, obviously he needs to be very careful if it is Jesse Taylor, because uh, Jesse Taylor will you know, go in for that takedown as soon as possible. Um, not as soon as possible, but soon enough. Uh, they're different styles, so who knows? Maybe this could have been a training camp where he was preparing for James Krause. Then he finds out James Krause has that staff infection, had to get opened up. Then it becomes Jesse Taylor. The game plan changes. Anything can happen in this fight. We're not going to know until Wednesday night who his opponent will be. Uh, but either way, Diego Lima fights smart. He wins against either one of those two. Uh, if it's against James Krause, though, I think he, James Krause will be able to pull off the victory. Uh, but the favorite, it's, it's, it's a weird sort of triangle there. But uh, yeah, I think Diego t- can take out Jesse Taylor, have more difficulties taking on James Krause. Yes. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. Uh, oh, no. Sean Pearson has made it onto the chat. You're too close to the camera, Joe. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll back up there for Sean, my boy Sean. Who I he wish only misspelled two words. Good for him. Oh, don't don't start. He'll start ripping you right there. <laughs> You're going to have to block him. You're going to have to ban him real soon. <laughs> uh, main event, Michael Johnson 
taking on Justin Gaethje. Now, Michael Johnson, for some reason, is in has been in fight mode the minute this this bout was announced. And when I say fight mode, I mean trash talk mode. I mean no respect for Justin Gaethje whatsoever. I think you need to respect Justin Gaethje. I get the mind tricks. I get the mind games. But Justin Gaethje is a dangerous opponent for Michael Johnson. Yeah, and the thing is with Michael Johnson, it's a term that I'll use again, but like almost consistently inconsistent. Like you never know on any given night. He's 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 almost in like Jim Miller, Joe Lozon territory of like any given night, who will he beat? You don't know. He might lose to Nate Diaz, Benil Dariush, and Habib Nurmagomedov, then beat Edson Barboza, uh, Joe Lozon, Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson. He's beaten a lot of really good dudes. Justin Gaethje, this is this is one of those guys they they wanted to put Gaethje in here. Like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna give you a name, but it's gonna be a name that maybe hasn't performed up to the standards in which he has previously. Justin Gaethje leaves a lot of openings that I think that a Michael Johnson can capitalize on because that's a thing that he's really good at. But that's also the game plan, like the blueprint to defeat Michael Johnson is to capitalize on all these like glaring holes that he leaves open. So. That's going to be really, really, uh, really interesting because Gaethje will do things that puzzle me, and Johnson, I think, will probably capitalize on those, but I haven't seen Gaethje lose yet, so it's hard for me to pick against him. Yeah, you know what? I think it's tough to say with Michael Johnson, like you said. You just never know. You just never know what this guy's going to bring to the table. You know that he could just come come in there with those bursts of speed, like you said, and just end a fight real quick, or he could just get dominated, right? Or get to the point where I mean, I'm, I'm not talking Habib Nurmagomedov dominated, but lose rounds that you think he should have won. It should have been smart. Should so yeah, like you know, it's 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 a tough call. I'm going to lean toward Justin in this fight. Um, you know, I'm looking at the. No, Johnson's a favorite at minus 165. The people are loving him, and it's still going down. So that thing could be minus you know, 180 by the time fight time comes around. Um, do you think that's the case? Because, well, no. If you're wagering on MMA, the vast majority of money that comes in on mixed martial arts are educated betters. Uh, there's a small percentage that are jumping on the bandwagon. But would you jump on a bandwagon for Michael Johnson, Justin Gaethje fight? That's That's a tough one. I don't know if I would do that. I figured it would be... I figured you'd have like a minus one fifteen, minus one ten, like type of thing, like where they're both they're both minuses. But that's that's a hell of it's a good main event for a Friday night MMA show. I'll say that. Should I just write my fun fun bets article now and just say put your money on Gaethje because that's plus one thirty five? That would be value right there. Maybe. Yeah, well, I'll I'll get to that later later on this week. I've got, I guess I've got a tough one. That's such a tough one because of, like I said, how you never know what Michael Johnson will show up. That's the hard part about putting together these articles. Sometimes, imagine if you're putting down your money, yeah. you just never know. You know how how many people have lost money on BJ Penn over the years? A lot of dumb people. <laughs> they go on the hype. They go. They. Everybody bets sometimes on vintage performances. BJ could submit everybody. It was for us a hobby that ripped me one time. He's like, "When's the last time BJ submitted anybody?" I was like, "Ah, uh, yeah. oh, let me check here." Yeah, you're right. You're right. People always think BJ Pan by submission. No, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. I mean, Joe. I think it was Joe Daddy Stevenson or Kenny Florian was his last one. And every time he competed ever since then, BJ Pan by submission. Do you remember when had, 
Remember when George Grigel used to, like, he, no offense, but I think he maybe ruined Dustin Hazlett's career because he's like, oh, yeah, you know what you should do? Go in against Paul Daly and do a rolling kick. That sounds like a cool idea. Dustin Hazlett was really promising and just never came back. Yeah, no, I concur. Uh, what is happening on this live chat? What have you done to people here? Oh, my goodness. Just people trolling. <laughs> <laughs> people, people come here to trash wrestling in an MMA chat. It's all good. Don't, yeah, guys. By the way, uh, don't hate wrestling uh, just because you're not a fan of it. I get it. I understand it. I, I, I'm not a fan of it. I don't watch it. The guy I'm, asking us, so, why do you cover pro wrestling? Oh, because it does giant numbers. Yeah, it does. Does fantastic. Citing, citing Nielsen ratings in 2017 as the reason why wrestling is dying. Ugh. Oh, my God. I remember. I remember one time negotiating. Uh, I think this was a time when I don't know if we had Raw or we lost Raw. I'm trying to remember when we were on Sportsnet. I legit begged I wanted to come out of Raw or I wanted to go into Raw. Ideally, I wanted yeah. to come out of Raw. I said, please put the show on. After Raw, the yeah. executives executives looked at me. They're like, Joe, it's not that easy, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it is. I want to go live Monday nights. I don't care what time it is. What, what time is Raw? Is, it, is Raw 9 to 11? It's 8 to 11 now. 8 to 11. I said I want to be on the air 11 o'clock. 11.05 if it runs late. I don't care. Or pre-record the show, and I want to come out of Raw. And it was stupid because those are vanity numbers. Okay, yeah. They're not real numbers, Joe. They are vanity numbers. Vanity meaning this massive audience watching WWE Raw all of a sudden spills over into UFC Central. And what you see in the show is people will stay, stay, first commercial, there'll be a drop. They'll stay, next commercial will drop, and then the real numbers are towards the end. So we did an experiment a few times moving the show around, and you could see that we realized this is your your ratings. This is what we're going to go to sponsors with. This is who we're going to all the big blue chip sponsors, the Fortune 500 companies, blah, blah, blah. They may see these numbers because you came out of raw. You came out of raw, but no, these are the numbers we're going to go with. But guys, I can tell you firsthand, I saw the ratings for over seven, eight years uh, for SmackDown and for Raw, and I can tell you they are relatively monstrous. Uh, at least they, in Canada, they, they've taken a big hit over the past ten years. Yeah, it's, technology's changing. Here's here's one, you know, a show that did pretty good after Raw, The Ultimate Fighter. Wonder if that ever had any ramifications. Yep. Yep. You're bang on. But you you spoke awesome. about Faraz Zahabi, but you also spoke to Faraz Zahabi recently. We're gonna go to that. And uh you proposed Connor McGregor, GSP, Cowboy Stadium. Let's see what he had to say about about all of this. I've been in a TriStar, uh, I can't even, I mean, I lost count a long time ago, uh, and haven't been in there sometimes, you know, cameras off, pro sparring, pro classes, and stuff like that. It's a who's who whenever you're in there. Uh, obviously, you know, people, you're, you're extremely well-respected no matter where you go. Um, who are some of the guys that have come gone, come and gone uh, in the gym in the past, you know, week, two weeks, or month or so? I know we had Vitor Belfort was there. Yeah, Belfort was here for his last fight, and, uh, you know, we changed things up a lot. Uh, you know, he's... He's uh, was able to go the distance and fight well all three rounds, and I really wanted to change the way he he approaches fights. Um, I find that you know he, in the past he would just kind of go for the kill 
right away and just try to crush it. And but the thing is, he can knock you out in round one, two, and three. And he's gotta he's gotta build that 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 uh, that approach. And uh, you know, it was a good seesaw battle with him and Marco. Very close. I was hoping for a rematch to put to bed any controversy or whatnot. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in the near future, but he, we're going to be doing the next camp again together. We're going to keep building on his skills, you know, because he's he's a learner. He loves to train. He's a learner. So I really think he can really uh, keep tweaking his game and changing and adding new layers and uh, keep entertaining the fans. At this point, are you ever surprised? Uh, obviously, you had George St. Pierre, uh, one of the biggest pay-per-view stars of all time. But does this, does this still surprise you every so often when you do get a call or an email or text saying, hey, uh, I'd like to come out there and train with you? You know, I get those texts and messages all the time, so it doesn't really surprise me, but I'm always happy to hear. I get excited when I have new guys coming in. I'm looking forward to working with all these great martial artists all the time. I mean, I don't just teach them. You know, they teach me a lot of stuff. All these guys do something or have a skill. You know, they didn't get this far uh, because they're, they don't know anything, right? They, they know lots of stuff. So I don't know everything. When I get to work with all these experts, I love to just learn. You know, when they show me something amazing, something new, it always just uh, excites me, and that's, that's what I love. Uh, about, a, about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, I had a chance to spend some time with George St. Pierre. We were both uh, together doing um, a Nintendo uh, appearance. Okay. Um, he's a big uh, Nintendo Super Mario Kart guy. Uh, I had no choice. I got to play with my son, and you know he whoops my ass every time we play. He's six and a half, and I'm a loser. Uh, <laughs> George looked pretty good. Uh, didn't you know, we, we spoke a lot of stuff. Obviously, as you know, you know, there's off the record stuff that we speak about. Uh, I spoke with uh, some of the management staff. We just got together trying to think, you know, what's happening, what's going on, and then I, you know the news comes out. He's not fighting Bisping. Uh, he's potentially fighting the winner of Lee uh, versus Maya. What do you make of all this? What do you think is next for George? I mean, from what I hear, it's not probably till September, October. You're closer. What do you think is going to happen this year? You know, I think the fans got to tell people, you know, they got to they gotta voice their opinion, what they want. I think George is uh, ready to do a fight that the fans really want to see. And there's been other names thrown around, but it's just, it seems uh, like it's a little bit complicated. It seems like there's always one side that's not happy or ready to go or whatnot. So for me, I, I think it's going to happen soon. But I really want the fans, you know, I would love to hear the fans, what do they want to see and, and just... You know, egg on the UFC, egg on you know all all the sides, the different sides that are that are in power, and we got to make it happen sooner or later. It's just been too long. I think it's just been too long. I love the Bisping fight. I thought that was amazing. I also do like the winner between Maya and Woodley, but the thing is, between you know, I, I don't know if George wants to be world champion at welterweight again and defend that title as he used to do. I don't know if he wants to go to that lifestyle anymore. And, that's a question only he can answer. You know, that's really, it's a lifestyle. George won't do it halfway. You know, he's going to go complete extreme, full preparation, all that. How many times can he do that? Is he going to do two, three years of that? I don't know. It's really up to him. So for me, I don't know if he has that answer, to be honest with you. You know, I think he's, in his mind, Bisbing was a mega fight. And whatever happens after that fight, it's not really, a, you know, something he's going to think about. It was just, it was such a perfect fight, you know. But uh, we got to find something really interesting, really uh, something the fans want to see, you know, something that's going to be historic. If it's not historic, I don't know if he'll come back. Well, I can draw a bunch of parallels right now as I gently move the pawns, the rooks, the queen, <laughs> the bishop around this board. Uh, you want a mega fight. Uh, the mega fight's going to happen August 26th, uh, not in mixed martial arts. It's going to happen in boxing. But after that, you want to talk about a mega fight. You give me George St. Pierre, Conor McGregor, Dallas Stadium. Uh, I'll fly down there. Where right? do we sign? Done. Yeah. What do we sign? Give me the paper. So let's before we get to that. Listen, I, I love I love Tyrone Woodley. I love Damian Maya. But if 
they fought, it might not be a historic fight. If he, if George fought one of those two, if he fought Bisping, it would be historic because it would be for a middleweight title. That's another great name. If he fought Conor McGregor, it would definitely be historic, no doubt about it. So, you know, Anderson Silva would that be a historic fight? I think it would be. There's other names out there, so it'd have to be something super special. That's why I like what you what you're thinking. It's that's on point. You know, that would be something the fans would go berserk for. Well, you and I. We're going to cross our fingers. Potentially could happen because, uh, you know, if, if these fighters deserve a lot of money. Coaches deserve a Definitely. lot of money. You spend a lot of time with them. But George, uh, who I've known since what? Since uh, he was 21, I think. Uh, made a lot of money, but he's a fighter. They, there, there's never enough for them. So before we get to that, Conor McGregor is going to make enough money. It's, it's called Mayweather <laughs> money, right? It's going to be Mayweather money on August 26th. Uh, what do you make of this whole situation? I personally love it for Conor McGregor. I don't think he's going to be throwing any spinning back kicks because there's a clause in the contract that would prevent him from doing that. But listen, get as much money as you can uh, and then see what you can do with your career. I, I, I'm happy for the guy. I don't know if I like his chances for us against Florida. Mayweather, you tell me. Well, you know, I just released a video out today exactly on the pre-fight analysis talk. So uh, if you guys want to see an in-depth analysis, check out that video. But other than that, I'll give you two short and sweet. Conor McGregor, he's a talented guy. He's a, he's a, he's a tremendous athlete, but he's stepping in the, in the ring. He's not stepping in the octagon. In the octagon, there's no question McGregor would put him away in a minute or two. You know, he would put Mayweather away quick. Now, in boxing... He's got that deadly left. He's got that deadly left. In the first two, three, maybe even four rounds, he's a threat to anybody, in my opinion, because of that deadly left. Is Mayweather going to do like Aldo and come out like a ball of fire and get hit with a counter shot? I would bet any amount, no. He'll be very cautious in round one. He'll be very methodical. He'll be very smart. He'll throw just enough punches to win the rounds. And then he's going to turn it up after three, four, five. After he feels Connor's power... And he gets his number. He's going to ramp it up. He's going to wrap it up with a lot of volume. And I think that's what the fight's going to look like. GSP, Connor, Cowboy Stadium, huh? I said it before. I wrote it in an article. Uh, and I'm going to keep harping back to it because when it happens, I just want to say I told you so. That would be Dana something. White. Well, Dana I think White it's interesting that he says he wants stars something. Stars align. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, that he wants something historic because Maya and Woodley, that's, that's not historic. Yep. And I think at this point here, uh, when guys or girls get to certain points in their careers, it's no longer about the title. It's no longer about some. Well, it is about the competition, but, you know, Hoist Gracie was guilty of this back in the day. I'm not fighting. I'll fight once every five years if I have to, but it better be worth something. Yeah. Either a boatload of money or it's got to be worth something. You know, whether it's the Sakuraba fights, whether it's the crazy fights he did afterwards, but, you know, and then it got to the point where he just, you know, the Shamrock fight meant something to him and he wanted to compete against Shamrock. But guys will do this, girls as well. Um, They get to a certain point in their career when it's like, okay, I've already competed up there. Like Anderson Silva should be fighting super fights. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done. Here and there, left, right, and center. That's why Faraz thinks it's a great idea, or it's a good idea for George to fight Anderson Silva. I mean, I can't see George wanting to become the welterweight champion again. Why? He's, he was the, already the welterweight champion. He's the greatest welterweight champion in UFC history. He left with the belt. He, re, he retired with it, relinquished it. UFC, do whatever you want with it. You know, I don't think George should be fighting in general, but he wants to fight. Okay, well, I, I can't convince him otherwise. Frost thinks he's in great shape. Frost thinks his training is doing pretty good uh, or damn good against uh, some of the elite athletes currently in the UFC that are training at TriStar. Okay, fine. But... To go in there and day in and day out, I mean, I mean, George's regular routine is what most people like myself and others would consider like death defying. Like that's I can't believe someone trains like that. That's crazy. That's his regular routine. OK. Uh, in ter- no, I'm not. Worried. Who put- is Joe and a gee? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> shit was like 90 bucks back in the day when I went a year or two ago. Like, come on. Kyler, learn to spell gee. It's not hard. It's two letters. I put a G. Well, I kind of a G. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Maybe I should wear a G next time. SC Phoenix puts it up there. Yeah. Um, but George St. Pierre, to put in to put in the rigors of being a professional mixed martial artist, to do it day in and day out for something you've already attained that really is not going to add too much to your legacy because you've already done what you're trying to add to. Do something else, you know, and if it's a big payday fight, I mean, they're always going to be the unanswered with George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. They should have competed in their prime. They didn't. George had his reasons. We found out later why one of those re- – he had many reasons, but we found out later why one of those reasons, you know, when Anderson Silva got caught, you know. There's a big belief system in George St. I know we hear, but I mean, I can tell you stories left, right, and center from the the TriStar camps, the Diaz camps, about how everybody is on performance-enhancing drugs, and probably they were back then. Um, you know, but but you know, guys like Diaz aren't. The Diaz brothers aren't. George isn't and wasn't. Uh, I've seen his tests. He's shown me his tests that he has taken uh, for testosterone, blood, blah, 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 all the different stuff. I've seen it. I saw it the weekend that Weidman fought Anderson so the first time. It's the first time I had I was privy to that information. Um, you know, they're, they're, and, and I can get very more, I can get very in depth with this, but I won't. But there's a reason why George didn't fight Anderson Silva. Now it's a different story. Be more than happy to fight Anderson Silva. There's obviously the age thing that works in your favor. Uh, George versus Conor McGregor is incredible. That would be huge. It would, it would fill up that stadium too. It definitely yeah. would fill up that stadium. You know, and Dana White has long maintained we will go to Dallas Cowboy. Is it, is it called Cowboy Stadium? I believe it's called Cowboy Stadium. Well, it's, I think or it's AT and T Stadium. AT and T Stadium. He says he will go to Dallas and put on a stadium show, but he needs the right fight. Can you think of a bigger fight than than Conor McGregor and George St. Pierre in the UFC? Ah, hmm. I, I, well, here's the thing. Like, my what I wonder is where is the gauge for GSP between historic and not historic? Because he hasn't came out and said, "I'm not going to fight my, I'm not going to fight Woodley." But Faraz is saying he wants history making fights or nothing else. But like, where is his gauge of historic? Like you said, he's been there. He's won that welterweight title against bigger names than either of these two guys. 
yeah. So I don't, I don't think there's any value whatsoever, excuse me, in George St. Pierre fighting the winner of Damian Maya and Tyron Woodley. The Bisping fight, yeah. It's for the middleweight, like Frost said, it's for the middleweight championship of the world. Something George has never attained. Never competed in the division. Never fought anyone at 185. And now I could do it for the opportunity to win a world title to add to the legacy. Yeah. Hey, that's what he's. If that's got to be what he's back for, because he says if he loses again, if he loses his first fight back, he's probably gonna cease fighting. Yep. So I mean that that shows you how important his legacy is, and he straight up said he wants that UFC wins record too. Yeah, and Bisping has it. So uh, let's get to this UFC pay per view card, UFC two thirteen. Uh, anything on that prelim card that you like? I mean, I like the Rob Font. Rob Font, excuse me, the Andrade fight, but anything you like on that prelim card on UFC Fight Pass? Let me peep it out right quick. Yeah, the Rob Font will be okay, but uh, to be honest, I know very little about about Giles or Tarion Ware or or Cody Stammen. I don't know much about them. I know that Cody's been around for a while, and he's got about, a, like, I think he's got a fair amount of, of experience. So that should be interesting to see on a... UFC fight pass card and a UFC debut. Do you ever wonder why these people, why these, I mean, I can go, I can talk about it a thousand times over, but the UFC used to be the Super Bowl of mixed martial arts. Yeah. It's not. It is, but it's also the tier, the multiple tier system, which I don't think it should be. But um, the first bout potentially kicking off the preliminary card on Fox Sports 1 is Jordan Mean taking on Bilal Muhammad. Two gentlemen you potentially may say are my boys. Obviously, because Jordan Mean's Canadian, as the chat continues to say that we're biased against Canadians. I'm going off right now. I'm like, somebody said, look at Sean Ross Sapp cover UFC 206. And I'm like, wait a second. Was I biased towards Canadians? Like, one of the guys on that show beat my trainer to get into the UFC. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that I spent that show trashing Nikita Krylov. I didn't trash the guy who he fought. And that's because Nikita Krylov it ain't that good, comparatively speaking. Was I biased towards Valerie Letourneau? No. Mitch Gagnon? I can't remember a time when I've been like, guys, you got to watch out for Mitch. He is the guy. What about Jordan Meehan? Yeah, you got to... Watch out for him. What the hell are you talking about, guy? I don't get it. Guys, I don't post on the Fightful uh, chats here. And if I do, I'll put Showdown Joe in brackets so you know it's me. So it's Sean Rossap who's ripping you guys a new yeah, uh, rectum area. So, oh, my yeah. God. Now Jimmy's here. Jimmy, go away. Jimmy, be gone. Jimmy, be gone. Jimmy Van. Oh, Jimmy Van. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Who's he ever beat? Jimmy Van? People saying I am biased towards Canada. You picked the wrong day. The wrong day. Are you kidding <laughs> you think? me? You think? That's absolutely true, by the way. <laughs> Get me out yeah. of here. <laughs> if you think I'm biased towards Canadian, let me let me explain something. If, if you think that, people, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and I assume y'all are in the U.S. of A. that are making these comments. Uh, if you take a look at the amount of fighters that are in the big leagues from America in comparison to the amount of fighters from Canada, 
in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, Bellator, whatever you want to call it, whatever mixed martial arts organization. It is like this much for the U.S. of A., this much for Canada. So I'm going to sort of stick by my own and kind of promote them a little bit because they all, for the vast majority, cannot promote themselves worth shit. Okay? Jordan Mean is fighting on this freaking card on Saturday, and I had no idea until I got ready for the show and said, oh, shit. Jordan Mean is fighting a Canadian. I get okay? you all the time for that. If anything, I'm anti-Canadian. Chad Laprise is fighting on the show. I knew Chad Laprise was fighting in Vegas soon. Oh, no, I knew Chad Laprise was fighting soon until I pulled up the show here, and I'm like, well, shit, he's fighting this Saturday. Well, who did you, and who we never did you had talk to show. recently who had been training with him? Uh, Mark Hominick. He, he, he went Mark back Hominick. to – and he said, Chad Laprise will be available. You let me know, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, let's do it. Monday. Uh, he's not training here today. He's tra- okay, let's do it next Monday. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, next Monday. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, it's, it's fights here. Nobody knows. Probably going to be a fantastic fight against Brian Camozzi, but these guys yeah. are never going to get it. So when I talk about Canadian fighters, it's in me. If you, for, if for those Canadians that are on there right now, y'all know, you all know we had a TV show here promoting the F out of any fighter we could get our hands on, especially Canadians, because we want to show that, hey, man, Canadians are badass fighters too, not just Americans, not just all the yeah. American fighters or whatever international fighters the UFC well, was showcasing. It used to be a mecca. It used to be like a really – it used to be a hotbed for MMA, not as much anymore. And the thing is, you're still getting a lot of those people who started or and were rising to prominence around that time. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering when have I been biased? Like, is it because I've said positive things about a Canadian fighter at some point? Sure, if oh they're my God. good fighters. God forbid you're positive. <laughs> God, I mean, I'll do it. Let's talk about UFC 213 though. Jimmy says I'm sensitive. I'm confused is what I am. Plus, I I timed Jimmy out in the chat. It's power you timed the out the guy that signs your paychecks. Well, I mean, he's going to bust my balls tomorrow anyway. I might as well give him some more fuel to the fire for the list and your boy over at FightfulPods.com. Head over to the Fightful.com forums, you guys. Write about all the times I've been biased about Canada. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk it out. I hope Jimmy... Jimmy's going to whoop your ass when you come up here in a couple of weeks. You know that, right? Well, he won't whip my ass. That's for damn sure. I mean, he might bust my balls a lot, but he's not going to kick my ass. <laughs> I hope Jimmy sees that. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. You know he does. You know he does. It's like he has sonar on his head. He can tell when anybody's speaking about him, and he automatically tunes in. And it becomes uh, the 30-minute uh, topic on our Wednesday show. I know I just gave crap to Chad Laprise and Jordan Mean. Bilal Muhammad, no different. No one knows – I mean who knows that he's fighting on the show other than us mentioning it right now. Yeah. Or if you don't – like I mean I don't get it. I legit don't get it. I mean I've been spending a lot of time for one of my businesses. I keep pointing to my, my left here because I've, I've got a big chart and stuff like that that I'm putting together for, for one of my businesses to, to help it grow on a daily basis and have these little metrics. It's spending a lot of time uh, watching a boatload of, uh, of keynote speeches and podcasts Um on, on brand awareness, relationship building, uh, I'll, I'll go back to the brand awareness thing and, and the importance of we're living in a day and age of social media and the importance of how content goes viral and how it's emotional content that goes viral, not anything in content and all the stuff that you put out there, right? Uh, 
th- these guys don't get it. They don't get it. And, and you know, they're, they're, they're waiting for the UFC to promote them. Yeah. Uh-uh. And there's nobody outside of maybe Travis Brown a little bit who is particularly marketable on this prelim car because none of them make noise themselves. You have to do that. If you... If you're Gerald Mearshart, you're two and zero in the UFC. You've lost one fight out of like your last ten, eleven, I think it is. Make some noise. Say something about yourself. Get out there. Like, become the face of Wisconsin MMA. Do something, man. I don't get it. It's so easy to put yourself on the map, and the, the easiest way is the cheapest pop that we know in pro wrestling is just to acknowledge where you're from. Continually yeah. acknowledge where you're from. Who who used to get the was it um, Mick Foley or The Rock? They used to get those cheap pops or both of them. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's genius. Nick and Nate Diaz said 209 so many times. Had they not said that, I wouldn't know where they're from. I wouldn't Ooh. know that area code. I wouldn't know that number. When I think 209, I immediately think Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz. That's what I yeah. think now. You're absolutely correct. Uh, Jordan Mean, Bilal Muhammad. Uh, I'm leaning towards Bilal Muhammad because I think Jordan Mean simply has too much mileage, MMA mileage, on his extremely young torso physique body aura. Yep, 40 fights that we know about. I'm leaning toward Muhammad. All right. Tiago Santos uh, and the aforementioned Gerald Mearshart. Ooh, I like this fight. Yeah, I, I, th- I think Gerald wins. What are the peeps saying about this fight, Sean Rossap? The peeps are saying, ooh, Curtis Blades, my goodness. Anyways, we'll get to Curtis Blades in a second. Uh, they are saying minus 145 for Tiago Santos. Do you like Gerald? Yeah, I do. And Tiago Santos is one of those guys who had a real hot streak going like 2015 into 2016. He ran into Musashi because that was his, his, his step up. He couldn't do it. He came back, like, I think way too quick against Eric Spicely and paid the price. Like, he got knocked out in July, fought in September. You can't, that's, that's tough, man. That's tough. I don't know if that was the best idea. Waited a little bit longer, uh, took six months out, and he, he looked really good against Marshman. Uh, had a performance of the night, too, but I think that, that Mearshart may beat him. I think Mearshart's underrated. Yeah. I like this fight, though. It's going to be fantastic. It can go either way, in my opinion. I I, I can see why you're leaning towards uh, Gerald for sure. Uh, the aforementioned Chad LaPreeze taking on Brian Camozzi, a name we all know very well if you're in the world of mixed martial arts. Is this the opportunity that Chad finally gets where he gets his head together? I think he's a new dad, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, baby girl, I think so. But uh, new motivation, perhaps, for Chad to go on a, a new run. Uh, competing at welterweight, Brian Camozzi, experienced fighter. What do you like? Or who do you like? Well, yeah, Laprise missed weight, and it that even though he won that fight last year, it capped off a bit of a tough run for him because he went on that hot. He 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 won like three in a row in the UFC. He looked good in Bellator when he was there, and then dropped those two fights, and then missed weight in the fight that he that he did win. Yeah, I, I, I'm not ruling it out. He's, like I said, all these these Canadian fighters are like, it seems like they're hitting the, the 30, 31, 32 age where they came up in that hotbed of, of Canadian MMA. Brian Camozzi, I haven't, 
outside of the RFA, I haven't seen a lot like great out of him. So until he shows me something, I think that the experience of Laprise is gonna uh, gonna control that fight. I like Brian. I like Brian the way he competes. I just think Chad Laprise just brings a hurting on people. Uh, I know it's not that Brian hasn't experienced this in the past, but I'm gonna Canadian bias, Sean. I'm leaning towards Chad Laprise. <laughs> Travis Brown yeah. taking on uh, Alexi Olenyuk. Uh, Travis Brown, interesting fighter. Seems like he is a three-minute fighter lately uh, until he gets rocked. And then it's a different fight altogether. Or is it a case of Derek Brown having a lot of power? But Travis Brown will always be one of those guys, in my opinion, coulda, shoulda, woulda, if things would have just stayed the same. Things would have just stayed the same. He continued what he was doing when he was over at um, – Where was it? Even was it before Jackson's? Yeah, oh yeah, he looked good before then too. Right. So if that was the case, things would have been different. He had the footwork; he looked fantastic. Unfortunately, uh, things changed in his training, uh, and we haven't seen him, I guess, reach that potential we all thought he could have. Um, I still think he could pull off this fight, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does not. The funny thing is, we have seen in several fights that he still has some ability, but he gets hit and he has those infamous wobbly legs. Yeah, he went and trained with Josh Barnett. Which, as much as I love Josh Barnett and I love these people, moving from Edmund to Josh Barnett hasn't exactly worked out for many people thus far. Uh, still, it's better. It's probably better than working with Edmund because Edmund has ruined multiple fighters, in my opinion. And I think if if you put Derek Lewis and Travis Brown in the cage. Again this weekend, I think Travis Brown wins that fight. I honestly believe that after what I saw out of Derek Lewis and what I remember from that fight. This is a situation where if Travis Brown loses, he loses to a really old guy, 40 years old. And he's out of the UFC. And he's probably out of the UFC because does the UFC have to do Ronda Rousey favors anymore? No, they don't. They don't have to do her favors anymore. Does he have potential even at age, what is he, 34? Yeah, he's got some potential. And maybe he'd go on a run and stuff. Maybe he would be a top Bellator uh, heavyweight. He probably would be. But if you can't beat Alexi Olenek, even though Alexi Olenek is like 3-1 and one in the UFC, it's just time to go. If you can't make the adjustments, and he is trying to make the adjustments, I'll give him that. It's time to go. The thing is, he made adjustments for the wrong reasons to begin with. He may he may he move to Edmund for one reason. Because there was all this hype around him and or around Edmund and there's the Rousey thing. Now I wish that Rousey would take a cue from her fiance and from her friends and train elsewhere. I don't wish it was with Josh Barnett, but I wish she would train elsewhere and Maybe keep making some money and keep generating some clickety clacks for us, but this this is gonna be this could be really sad, really good, and it's I don't know it's gonna be a very very interesting fight. This is one of the more intriguing fights of the weekend, in my opinion. As you say that, we jump onto the main card. <laughs> you got Anthony Pettis versus Jim Miller, but the thing that comes to my mind. Are these two gentlemen? I know they've got you know they're, they're, they've got 
fantastic careers, one a former champion, one a perennial contender who just couldn't simply get that shot. Do these guys belong in the UFC right now? Who, uh, Pettis and Miller? Yeah. Yeah, Miller's in that... He's in that merry-go-round, man, of the Lozon, Pearson, uh, all those guys. You know, there's there's a million of them. Diego, of those guys who you never know if they'll win on any given night, no matter who you put them up against. Miller is really good at adapting to other people, but also people seem really good at adapting to him. So that that that's... It's that consistently inconsistent thing. Miller hasn't been much of a finisher of late, and I think maybe the UFC saw that as an opportunity to give Pettis as many chances as he could. Pettis has lost three straight at 155, and he hasn't won at that weight since 2014, and he's only 30 years old. We're looking at a real situation where he could end up being the lesser of the two Pettis brothers when all is said and done. Very weird. Very, very weird because Anthony Pettis, in my opinion, when he was in that, his prime was destroyed sort of like the way Cain Velasquez is destroyed. A body that simply could not hold up to the rigors of training for a fight. Because when he did fight, man, he looked fantastic. And then the injury started taking place. And then he would come back. And I bet you he showed up to every one of those fights someone injured and wasn't able to compete. And then age, father time, just chips away at you nonstop. Father time gets you. It doesn't matter what age you are, MMA mileage will make you look and appear and act and perform older than what your normal age should be. Okay? Uh, Anthony Pettis and Jim Miller, in my opinion, to, I mean, Anthony Pettis, I remember when, when he beat, uh, we were in Milwaukee, his hometown, when he won the title. Was it Ben Henderson with the armbar? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I was the first person that noticed what was happening there. Uh, well, that's not saying much with some of the media out there that have never trained MMA in their life, right? And I leaned over to my producer. I'm like, it's over. It's over. It's oh, This is good. This is good because it wasn't that Benson wasn't going to defend it. Benson stopped. He froze. You never freeze or stop during an arm bar unless your elbow was out and you could stack the dude. Maybe you could stop there and sort of wiggle up. No, no, no. There was no pausing or there was no stacking. It was on tight. It was on fast. Um, and I thought, this kid's going on a run. And I remember in that post-fight press conference, that's when Dana White would actually do the, the media scrums. Uh, and he said, this kid's going to be a superstar. And we, uh, most of us bought it. I bought it. I said, Anthony Pettis, the way he looks, the way he presents himself, the whole look and stuff like that, this guy's going to be a star. And then... And, yeah, the reality took over, and it was all done. Jim Miller, like blue collar, blue collar. Every time I went down to Hensel Gracie's, this guy here was him and his brother. Fantastic interviews, but looking at the sport right now, not that they, not that it's passed them by. They're considered older in a division where you know, and I keep bringing up John Anik all the time. You cannot lose in this division. You lose in this division, you're two years away from a title shot. Oh yeah. And I think Jim Miller knows that. I don't think Jim Miller thinks he's going to get into the title contention anytime soon. But like once, twice a year, Jim Miller just puts on one of these awesome performances. Whether it's in a losing uh, battle in just a great fight, or whether he pulls off some great submission. Like You just know once or twice a year you're going to get that awesome, fun Jim Miller fight. No matter what. Now, they're not always great, but that's just... He's a safe guy to put on a show like this because it's not like if 
if Anthony Pettis beats Jim Miller, people aren't going to be like, well, that doesn't mean anything. He's Jim Miller. It always means something to beat Jim Miller. And if Jim Miller beats Anthony Pettis, that still means something too because of that title, even though it probably shouldn't mean as much. But who are you leaning towards? Because this is this is another situation. It's like, what, what does the UFC do if Pettis loses? They're giving Jessica I another fight. So I don't think they're going to cut Anthony Pettis, guy who used to be on Wheaties box. Yeah, yeah. So Jim Miller right now is a big time underdog at plus two fifteen with Anthony Pettis at minus two fifty five. You want my opinion? Two fifty five yeah. on Jim Miller, or sorry, plus two fifteen. Is that on, on Jim Miller? Plus two fifteen? I'd take I'd take that bet. Bingo! I'd put money on that. Just cause, man. I think he will take Anthony Pettis into deep waters, be it the third round. I know it's not much, but he will take him there if need be, and he will punish him. And I think I th- unless Pettis is able to rekindle that that kicking style uh, and, and pull from the Donald Cerrone stuff and kick Jim Miller in the head twice, um, which can't happen, obviously. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards Jim Miller in this fight. I think it's going to be a grinding, blue-collar, punish this guy for 15-minute fight. Yeah, I don't know if I'm leaning towards him, but I'd take that bet. I'd definitely take that bet at, at plus two. What at plus two? Anything plus two hundred? I'd take it. What have you done to this chat? It seems like there's guys or girls sort of getting together and coming to attack. No, no, What's no, happening? no, 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 no. It's the same guy. Same guy. Different same guy name. with different accounts. Probably different yeah. names. Don't give him attention, Joe. I'm not. I'm not. Give the good ones. <laughs> give the ones who contribute attention. There we go. Somebody mm-hmm. asks if we think that there's any chance there's that Tony Habib happens this year. Yeah, I think it happens later this year. I think it should. I think it should happen. Can you see that? Yeah. Can you guys see that? Who is what does that? that say? Who is that? Tanya it says Sell? Tanya Sell. Who is that? For those that don't know, my wife, oh. Tanya, is calling me. <laughs> How dare you, Tanya. Anyway, I think it happens in September. That way the winner can be ready in December possibly for Conor McGregor. The thing is, if Conor McGregor says he'll be ready in December, you get ready for Conor McGregor in December, even if he's not going to make it. That's just what you do. So yeah, I think it happens later this year. But uh, we have three pretty big fights. Uh, Amelia Check and Curtis Blades, I mean, that's that's a good heavyweight fight to throw on there. But, um, I mean, Curtis Blades finishes every fight that he's in, for better or for worse. But Amelia Check is going to make it difficult for him. Yeah, sorry guys, I just I'm I'm internally laughing my face off right now. I tell my wife all the time, love her, love her to death. I do. Three to four thirty Tuesdays. Don't call. Don't text. Don't call. I can't reply. Live on the air. Don't do it. She called. Uh, Curtis Blades. Uh, I mean, I've got an affinity for Curtis Blades because of his affiliation with, uh, you know, Jose Shorty Torres, the flyweight and bantamweight champion of Titan FC. Uh, I like this fight. Uh, I think he's going to hurt Daniel, in my opinion. Uh, I like it. Uh, the Verdum Alistair Overeem fight for the 17th time we get to see this one. I'm not overly excited, uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. But then uh, someone had mentioned on the chat earlier on uh, GSP versus Yuel Romero. Uh, that is probably one of the reasons why I don't want George St. Pierre coming back to compete <laughs> at 185 pounds in general. But man, if there's going to be a fight where well, I'm 
I may not be tweeting. I may not be social media-ing. It's this co-main event. Well, we got Overeem Verdum as well. And the thing is, yeah. the last time those two guys fought, Overeem was juiced to the gills. And Verdum hadn't really discovered his striking yet. Will that matter? Who knows? Because there are times when I think Overeem has looked better not juiced to the gills than he did when he was juiced to the gills. It's a weird fight to run back, though, because it wasn't a good one, Joe. So, interesting, interesting line of thinking. I just want to know, there's not a lot to break down there because... We've seen it. We've seen it, and you never know which of each guy will show up. Verdum much more consistent than Overeem. But since USADA, I wonder what's up with either guy. Who do you think's winning the fight? That's a... It's... it's I mean, it's one of those fights I think that can go either way, right? It's one of those things that you just – which guy shows up? The odds are very close, plus 125 uh, – excuse me, minus 125 for Overeem, plus 105 for Verdum. Uh, I, I don't think Verdum has – you say this – and then these guys show up on a Saturday night or Friday night and prove you 100% wrong because something – they went back to what gave them that motivation and that amazing technique and performances uh, that they had, non-juice related. Um, I'm going to – I've never said this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean towards Overeem in this fight. Yeah, I think I, think I am too. too. But I Romero mean, Whitaker, here's my question, Joe. Does this determine the best 185-pounder in the world? We oui, see, si, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Correct. It's one mm-hmm. of those situations where you don't hear like anybody complaining about an interim 185 title. Isn't that weird? Because you always hear people like, why do they need it? Titles for everybody. I don't hear anybody complaining. I'm sure you can find somebody, but I don't hear a lot of people complaining about an interim title fight here. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a fantastic fight. I never said I never thought Robert Whitaker would ever end up in this position. I thought Jacare was going to rip a limb off. Did Whitaker not only survive the ground time he had with Jacare, he whooped him and Romero couldn't whoop him the way that Romero when they fought. So, I mean, I know styles make fights, and MMA, MMA math doesn't always work. But, yeah, this is going to be a sick fight. Um, and I, I read something about Yoel Romero has no cardio or once this thing gets to the third round. Are you crazy? Stats, stats tell a different story. That, that's, a, that's a myth because he doesn't finish early, by and large. He finishes in the third round or later, whereas Whitaker, it's kind of spread out. He finishes early. Now, we don't know what it's going to be like fourth, fifth round, but... Romero, despite the fact that we've seen him exhausted, and some of those late finishes are kind of questionable, like the Tim Kennedy situation. That's it's weird, but there, there's a lot to this fight that I like, Joe. There's a ton of it. Like Romero has outstanding striking defense, while Whitaker has like he stays active. He has great striking rate. He has really, really good accuracy. But yeah, that, that that myth that he gets weaker doesn't always seem to be true. If he gets weaker, so does the guy he's fighting, guys he's fighting. Romero's scrambles are really underrated, which I don't know that we'll see a lot of in this fight because he seems to start out striking an awful lot and then goes to his wrestling later on. And Robert Whitaker ain't taking him down. Robert Whitaker's not going to take him down. But when Romero does scramble, he puts himself in really advantageous positions, even after defensive positions. So maybe he fails on a takedown, he's very good at like switching and getting right back up. But Whitaker just showed that he can 
face a high-level grappler. Now, the, the way that Romero and Jacare grapple are categorically different. There's a lot to like about this fight, Joe. There is... <laughs> what's, what's not to like about yeah. this fight? I mean, uh, let me ask you this. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish off your point. No, I'll go ask ahead. If you will, Romero wins, would you simply be like, yeah, that makes sense. And if Robert Whitaker wins, will you be like, holy shit, he did it again. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he's at I think he's at the top level, and Romero is getting up there in years. So you just like I, I always say, you never know when that just that when they get to the top of that hill and they start sliding down it. But I mean, the thing is with Romero, like he's got this reputation as being this big. Uh, let's not mince words. Being a reputation of a juiced up guy with no cardio and like like he's just some kind of bull. He's not. That's not the thing. He's. He's got some fantastic technique. He has he disguises that his his offense very well. He's got that big step forward that he takes. But the thing is when he takes that big step forward, you don't know if a knee, an uppercut, a hook, a straight or a shot is coming after it. He does not telegraph which direction his strike goes when he dips his head. He could dip his head, grab your leg, dip his head, throw a left, dip his head, throw a right. He gets this weird reputation, because, probably because of his attitude sometimes, too, of being this big, just bull in a china shop. But that's that's not always the case. And we've seen Whitaker fight just about every single kind of style. But it's Romero's pace that worries me for, for Whitaker. Because he's not going to be like Derek Brunson. He won't, he won't push forward like that and abandon all defense. At least I don't think he will. No, but Romero's going to lull you to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and there are things about Whitaker's offensive game that I think are underrated too. Like he doesn't—you'll hear me all often explain the importance of turning your hip on a strike because Anderson Silva didn't broke his leg off. Whitaker doesn't always do that, and I had somebody tell me, "Well, man, his kicks look so bad." For him, it's different. For him, it's a lot about staying on the feet. Like a lot of his. Defense and offense is related to him staying, staying on his feet. I always talk about how he keeps one hand up, one hand low, so he can get the, those underhooks in really well. He doesn't turn his hips that way; he can get his uh, he get can get squared up again and defend takedowns a little bit more. He uses it in a really snapping motion, but I don't think it's because his te- uh, kicks are technically like inferior or anything. I just think it's because he wants to reduce the risk of the takedown. Romero leaves himself open for left hooks a lot. Like, he'll throw that that arm out there when somebody goes lower, goes to the body on him, and Whitaker has a really, really fast left hook. That could be dangerous for uh, Yoel Romero because Whitaker has maybe the quickest left hook in the game at 185, and that, that could be real bad if he eats one of those after throwing his arm out there. But... Romero sets stuff up so well. Whitaker sets stuff up so well. This is this is awesome. This is the two best 185 pound fighters, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to be sick. I, I mean, I can't wait for this fight to go down. It's going to be that that one fight I, I, I mention every so often, where it's like, don't nobody, don't text me, yeah. don't call me, don't. I'm not even going to look at social media. I will, but I'll be like, I don't care what y- y'all saying. I'm just going to say who wins. I'll put it up there, but. I'm not paying attention. I'm not replying. This is going to be – this is one of those fights. Uh, again, I keep bringing up some of my producers from the old days. But I, we used to sit there in media row and be like, do not under any circumstances forget to breathe. 
in this fight because you're so the whole time that you go through almost a five minute round and you're like like it's just it's one of those fights this is this is the 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 the, i gotta come up with a better name for this one but it's one of those fights where i'm i'm holding my breath i can't wait for it to go down of course we have the main event uh, and again, I'm baffled with these odds. Correct me if I'm wrong, ladies and gentlemen, those on the chat. Sean Rossap, Amanda Nunes taking on Valentina Shevchenko for the world bantamweight title for the UFC. The odds are dead even, a minus 110. In my head, I say a hell no. Amanda Nunes should be a favorite in this fight. What say thee? I agree with the odds for the reason that it's a five-round fight. If this were another three-round fight, I'd lean towards Nunez, but we don't know. Now, I'm not saying that Nunez's cardio is bad, but, but Shevchenko turned it up a lot. And initially, I was like, man, I don't, I don't necessarily want to see this again. Then I was reminded it's five rounds, not three. That's, that's, a, big, that's a big, big tipping point. Shevchenko training in Colorado at Elevation. Wonder what that does for her. Uh... Nunez at American Top Team. This is like a battle of one of the, the greatest teams ever and one of the emerging teams. But here here's the thing. like Nunez landed those trips early that I think surprised Shevchenko. Because Shevchenko, well, they're both experienced in judo. Uh, Shevchenko is more experienced. And then we later on saw Shevchenko, who was not a big 135, landing some of her own. I wonder how much training for Ronda Rousey prepared Nunez to get ready for that, for for the trips, for the takedowns, for things like that, because you know that Nunez did her homework when she's facing Ronda Rousey. Of course, she expected to go in there and bulldoze Ronda Rousey, but there's always that what if. What if a Ronda Rousey gets a hold of you? She prepared, I'm sure, well, well for that. Shevchenko works really, really well in the clinch, and it's getting in that clinch that, that, could, pose a, that could be an issue, because... As these, as her career has went on, Nunez has gotten even better at striking at range, getting you at the end of her punches. And one thing you'll always hear me talking about is a guy who used to teach people how to strike. You'll almost never see her lift up her back foot when she gets full extension. She keeps that. It, she keeps her balance. She keeps her power. She stays planted. Like sometimes she'll get up on her tiptoes, which is okay. Uh, but she she keeps people at the end of her range very well. There are things that concern me, like in the last fight, Nunez went for a rear naked choke and didn't really apply it right. I thought that was weird. That was a little unusual. She had her in like a pro wrestling sleeper. There are also things to wonder, like how will the presser play out? The last time we saw them at the summer kickoff, it looked like Nunez maybe got to Shevchenko a little bit, Joe. Uh, that's that's a thing that we have seen in women's MMA recently over the past few years is the mind games are are real. That is a real thing. Well, Chef, or Nunez is fearless. Like she doesn't give a rat's ass about anyone's opinion, <clears throat> what anyone thinks of her. I've seen that alpha female um, aura, mentality, sort of demeanor uh, at Titan events when she's there. Uh, she runs the place. Sometimes it doesn't have the actions in the cage, and she'll stop in between rounds. But I got to tell you, she commands that you know that venue when she's there, 
and there's a lot of American top team peeps that are there. She walks around like just shoulders up, fearless. And we saw what she did to Misha Tate. We saw what she did to Ronda Rousey. We saw what she did. She's just an absolute destroyer and could care less about Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, put her fist in her jaw in that press conference, and we'll see what happens. I could see why Nunes can get into someone's head, uh, but you got to be mentally strong as a fighter, man. you got to be mentally strong and not deal with that kind of stuff. Imagine if you're a Conor McGregor opponent. My God. Yeah. she she's been Nunes has been to the third round three times. She's lost two of those three fights, and the one that she won, Shevchenko, was really coming back. Shevchenko has that, that good... Uh, TKD and judo background, but Nunez started. She started out more aggressive, and I think that that really played to her advantage. But this is, I mean, and another thing is, I talk about the reach, but Shevchenko's used to fighting people with longer reach. Like that's just that's another day at the office for her now. I I I, I agree that the odds should be dead even on this one, but. If Shevchenko takes her all five rounds and wins four of those, it won't surprise me. If Nunez starches her in 50 seconds, it won't surprise me. There's, there are a lot of different ways this can go. and uh, Unfortunately, I don't think for Nunez that she's going to sell a million pay-per-views this go-around. No. Uh, Unfortunately for her, no. It won't happen. That paycheck, if it's, if it's in her contract, uh, it'll be the bonuses uh, will be a lot lower. You know, you know it's funny time. that like... That's the thing, though. Like, she could silently become like this this weird pay per view juggernaut. Do you realize the last three shows she was on? She was against uh, she was against Rousey, which did one point yeah. one million. She and that was on a Friday, I do believe. A Friday did one point. Anybody doing that on a Friday is impressive. She was on UFC two hundred, which did over a million, which wasn't on her back, to be fair. And she was on UFC one ninety six. Connor, yeah. So, I mean, she's had a lot of eyeballs on her. Now, I don't think she's going to sell like crazy this time. Uh, but she's been set up well. She is not one of those people that can say, the UFC hasn't done anything for me. If she ever says that, we know we're, we're calling bullshit on that. But yes. Fightfulpods.com for all your podcasts this weekend, Joe. I figure we'll do a show after uh, 2.13 covering both events. Works for this guy. 213 covering both events. We have Great Balls of Fire, the dumbest ass name for a wrestling pay-per-view ever, ever on Sunday. Head over to the Fightful.com forums. We're always doing contests and giveaways. Uh, You can talk MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. That Horn Pacquiao fight kicked 10 kinds of asses this weekend. That fight ruled. People said, "What's what's your fantasy MMA boxing fight now? Horn versus McGregor because it's more fair and because Horn shows up to fight. That's what I that that would be awesome. I am a Horn fan. Do I think he won the fight? Well, we'll say six rounds of six, but that was great. Uh, head over to Fightful.com. We have all kinds of exclusives for you: pro wrestling, MMA, boxing. If you don't like one or the other, you can filter them out. But uh, like us, subscribe, thumbs up, let people know about the show. That stuff's really important to us. But uh, I'm going to have threads going on Friday and Saturday on the forums for the the shows. And, of course, we have our live discussion as well. We got it all over at Fightful.com. 
Yes, and of course, uh, I will have an article up talking about a few different things leading up to Fight Week. Uh, or it's obviously a big Fight Week here with two events for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. We'll have a Fun Bets article out there. We'll like like Sean mentioned, we will have a post two show recap to do on Saturday. Looking forward to all that, and of course, I will throw in a video. A rant video in there uh, come Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, so I do. Before I do that rant video, I might throw it out uh, to all of you in the live chat and everyone on social media at Showdown Joe at Fightful MMA. If there are certain things that you want me to talk about uh, to break down, whether it's uh, you know stories, whether it's analysis, whether it's anything in general, uh, I'll likely throw it out to you guys and I'll let you guys determine uh, what I should do. Uh, maybe two or three topics really quickly, and we'll, and we'll take it. From from there uh but other than that sean it's up to you you want to wrap this up we are good to go happy independence day to those of you here in america happy canada day to those of you uh well i you know what i'm not even gonna wish people a happy canada day because i'll be accused of being biased so but really guys i want to thank you all so much for supporting us uh thursday is our one year anniversary of our first ever fightful podcast i did one with vince russo and then later that night Joe and I did like an hour and 45 minutes, if you remember that, Joe. The so, epic beginning. That was to, to preview three events, I think it was. And now we do 90 minutes every week. We've got every post-show podcast. we got a lot of fun going on at Fightful.com. So a, a year old. Jimmy's bringing me to Toronto. He hasn't shut it down yet. He hasn't <laughs> shut it down yet. <laughs> Too funny. Looking forward to when you guys get here. It's going to be amazing. Are you going crazy on the chat again? No. Absolutely not. Until next time, guys, we're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.